Well, the heart and soul of the beautiful and powerful song you just heard comes from one verse out of God's Word in the New Testament, part of the letter that Peter had written, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. And I would love for you to take your Bibles where you are at home, open them up to this verse, because I want to take just a few moments to explore the wonderful truths Peter teaches us in this one verse. We know that Paul is looked upon as the apostle of faith. John is looked upon as the apostle of love. But Peter is looked upon as the apostle of hope. And you see this in this verse because as he is writing, he writes these words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want you to notice as we begin to unfold this verse that Peter begins by uh, challenging us to remember, first of all, the goodness of God. He begins by saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want us to overlook the significance of those words, particularly as he begins with blessed be the God and Father. Because in those words, Peter himself is involving himself in an unspeakable privilege. And that is the privilege even as a mere human, a sinner, being able to bless the name of the Lord. Scripture tells us that God described David as a man after his own heart. Was that because David was so perfect in the living of his life? Absolutely not. No, David was a sinner, just like us. But what the key of David's life was that he was also a singer. And by singer, I'm not talking about necessarily singing a song, but he was constantly and intentionally singing the praise of the Lord. When you look at the Psalms and read the Psalms that he wrote for us, many times he begins, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is drawn. Uh, intimately to those who are continuously and sincerely lifting up worship and praise to him. It reminds me of the verse in Hebrews, and you might want to turn there with me, Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 15, and here's what we are instructed to do. It says, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to to his name. And, and so he wants us to begin in worship and in praise, but he tells us why. Why we need to remember the goodness of God, that we would sing his praises. And here's what he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy. Now that phrase, according to, is really rather significant. He could have written out of his great mercy. And there is a difference, an important difference between according to and out of. For instance, a billionaire could give you a gift of $10. And that would simply be a gift out of his riches. But if that same billionaire gave you a gift of a million dollars, then he would be giving you a gift 
according to his riches. And so Peter says, according to the great mercy of God. That is, out of the abundance or according to the abundance of his incredible mercy. Now, that word great that he uses here is important. It, it means to, uh, to the extent of or to the magnitude of. So here's the question. What is the extent of God's mercy? What, what is the magnitude of God's mercy? Well, the scripture reveals to us that God is infinite. Every part of his being is infinite. Every part of his character is infinite. And so when Peter tells us that we ought to remember the goodness of God in light of the fact that, that according to his infinite supply of mercy, he has made an incredible impact upon our lives. An infinite supply Here's the question. Our, our accuser many times is going to try to deceive us and, and to cause us to think that there is a limit to God's mercy. But here's the question. How many sins does God's infinite supply, supply of mercy cover? Well, it covers all our sins. Is there one sin that is so big and is so sinful that his infinite supply of mercy cannot cover? No. Unless, unless you choose to harden your heart uh, and reject the mercy of God and reject the source of that mercy, which is his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it is an infinite supply of mercy. And when we come to him, he lavishes that upon us out of the depth of his goodness. And so Peter begins by challenge us to remember the goodness of God. And then he wants us to also recognize the incredible grace of God because it goes on in this verse. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. I want you to underline or take note of that word caused. What is Peter saying? He's telling us this is a God thing. He is telling us that it is a direct and divine act of God, period. The source of this experience that the scripture calls being born again comes from God and God alone. The world doesn't understand it. The world doesn't have the power to give it. You can go and read every one of the thousands of self-help books that are there and, and the philosophies that are filled with basically fake truth, and you're not going to find what only God can provide for you. He causes it to happen. And without it, you're missing something very important. I was reading this week uh, as we were in our homes like everybody else, and I was reading about a tennis star, Boris Becker. Boris Becker was a great tennis uh, star. He won Wimbledon twice, and he says that he was rich. He was at the top of his sport. He said he had every material thing he could actually think of or possibly possess. He had the finances by which to get whatever really he wanted to get. But he was empty. And he said that I had no peace. I felt like nothing but a, a puppet on the string 
before the world. It reminded me of what the author Jack Higgins, the author of The Eagle Has Landed, said when he was asked this question by one reporter. What would you like to have known as a boy that you know now? And here's was his answer. I wish someone had told me that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. The reason nothing's there is that the one thing that is missing is the most important thing of all. And that was a personal relationship with God. Because every one of us are created to have purpose and to have meaning. And the only one who can actually help us find that meaning and purpose in life is God himself. And that comes from a personal relationship with him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. To have that incredible experience of being born again. And experience is more than just a new start in life, as you might expect. The media today, the world today, has tried to water down that phrase, born again. And they're using it often, but they're just talking about someone who's gained a new start in life. Being born again is much greater than just a, a new start in life. It's an incredible experience that, that literally changes things in our lives because we are being radically changed. In fact, the, the scripture tells us that God does this. If you look with me in Ezekiel for just a moment, Ezekiel chapter 36 and in verse 26, God describes what he does. Remember, this is a God thing. It is a divine, direct act of God and God alone. And here he describes what he's going to do. He says, moreover, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. It's not just a new start. It's such a radical change that Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that when any man is in Christ, that means they've been born again, this, this act of God takes place in our lives. We are a new creation, totally new creation with a new heart, a new spirit, and a new life. And so Peter here says, look, I want you to remember the goodness of God. And I want you to recognize the grace of God. And I want you to rejoice over the gift of God. Going back to this beautiful verse that we're looking at this morning, in its entirety, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope, underline that, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope. And it's a living hope, not because it's based on a principle, but it's based on a person. And that person is the son of the living God. Paul, writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus, who is 
our hope. And it's a living hope because he's a living Christ. He's a living Savior. Uh, His is the victory, the eternal victory over death and over grave and over the sin. And so we have this living hope. And it doesn't matter what the outward circumstances are. Yes, it's difficult right now. And we have a lot of questions. Life is uncertain with this coronavirus invasion and crisis as they call it and and the guidelines that are given to us. And some of you have been impacted. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you are on furlough and, and other things. Your life has been turned upside down. But we have a living hope. <laughs> that living hope is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who promised that he would be with us to the ends of the earth, who promised us he'd never leave us or forsake us, who promised that he would be our strength, that he would meet every need we had according to his riches in glory. Yes, we have a living hope. You may not feel it right now because of everything around us is so upside down and our lives have been so changed, the schedule of our lives and even how we're living out every single day. But in reality... Even if you don't feel it, it doesn't change the truth. If you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, you've got a living hope. And you may be thinking, but pastor, you don't know my life. You, you don't know that, that I've been wandering away. You don't know the sin that's in my life. And, and I just don't know if I still have that hope. Let me remind you of an incredible verse out of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 7 and, and in verse 25. And listen to what the scripture teaches us in this verse. Listen carefully. Therefore, he is able also to save forever. Underline that. Therefore, he, talking about Jesus, is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He is forever presenting to the Father his perfect eternal atonement for the sins of our lives, specifically for those who have received him as Lord and Savior. Where does that come from? Out of the endless supply of God's mercy. And so, Father, blesses us every time we come into confession with cleansing and with forgiveness and restoring our fellowship with him. So right where you are in your home and you're gathered as a family, I want you to do something for me right now. But just take a moment and just bow your head and close your eyes. You don't need to be looking at the screen. Just listen to my voice. And I want you to search your own heart. You may be an adult. You may be a teenager. You may be a child, a young child like Hayden Anders. And God has already spoken to your heart, maybe through him and the testimony of his baptism, about the need to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so right now where you are, and this, this is conviction on your heart, 
Would you just repeat this prayer with me? Again, don't be looking at screen. Just imagine yourself before a God who has an endless supply, an infinite supply of mercy. And pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you paid the penalty in full for all my sin. I believe that you are the risen Lord and that you're sitting at the right hand of the Father even right now. I accept your forgiveness and I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior forever. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with me, I ask you to do this. I want you to send me an email. The email is very simple. StanCandler at gmail.com. Let me repeat it. StanCandler, S-T-A-N-C-A-N-D-L-E-R at gmail.com. Send me an email. Tell me what you've done today. Maybe you have some other issue and God is speaking about, would you contact me? Send me an email. I want to be used of the Lord and be a blessing to you. Now, will you all just join me in prayer as we close this time together? And I finished reading 1 Peter chapter 1, not just verse 3, but I want to read the whole passage now because I want to tell you the best is yet to come. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So, Father God, Lord Jesus, Spirit of the living God, we rejoice in the salvation that you provide, the salvation that you sealed the day you walked out of that grave alive. You paid in full for our sins. And you were buried, but you conquered death, you conquered the grave, you conquered the penalty of sin, and now you can offer to whosoever the gift of eternal life. So, Lord, we praise you with all of our heart. I thank you for my church family out there, my friends who are out there, and everyone who joined us in the worship of you, our living Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless them, Lord, this weekend, but bless them in the week ahead with your favor. And I ask for this, Lord Jesus, in your name, amen.